Thank you, Dan. Thank you, choir and instrumentalists for leading us so well in worship this morning. Certainly my privilege to get to speak to you this morning, and I'm thankful to be here with you today. Do you remember being read a story as a child? Do you remember this? Maybe you were told a story by someone. You may remember teachers who would get up and read before the classroom. You may remember a librarian who would get up in the library and she would read a story. But for many of us, undoubtedly, we remember our family telling us stories, our, our mom or dad, our grandparents reading a story for us, oftentimes before we go to bed. I look back on those times, I think about those stories with a lot of fond memories. Those were great days, those were great nights, those were great stories, weren't they? Those were interesting stories. Have you gone back and read some of the stories we were read as children? When was the last time that you read Little Red Riding Hood? Has it been a while? Maybe it has. If, if it has been a while or if you haven't read it, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> it gets dark, folks. It gets dark in a hurry. Little Red Riding Hood questioning a wolf in her grandmother's bed. My, my what big eyes you have. Boy, you don't look like my grand. Where's grandma? I'll tell you. Where grandma's at, Red, it's not good. <laughs> You're not gonna like it. It gets dark. When was the last time you read Hansel and Gretel? Do you remember that story? Kids gather around, it's bedtime. <laughs> Children get lost in the forest, but they stumble upon a beautiful candy cottage. There's a nice old woman outside who invites them in and then promptly cages them and fattens them up to eat them later. Good night, Meemaw loves you. <laughs> a nightmare, what, what's going on? Did you guys have too much candy? No, no Meemaw, you told me a terrifying story. You know, it's, it's a funny thing when we consider some of those older stories, they're great stories, but they seem a little harsh to our modern child's ear. I love this place in life where I'm at now, where I get to tell my kids stories, where I get to read them stories before bed, gather them around and read a story. Uh, one thing I've noticed is we read these same stories over and over. We've gone through all the books that we have in our little home library, and eventually they're like, Dad, we need some fresh material. We need something original. Dad, why don't you make up a story for us? So I'm under the gun, I've gotta make up something on the fly and I'll admit some of the stories are better than others. I've developed some really questionable characters over the years, talking animals. I remember one where it was a talking skunk and I was thinking about it the next morning thinking, what are you doing? It was late, it had been a long day. I didn't have time or the intellectual capital that late in the day to develop these characters like they deserved. But one thing I've noticed over the years is the moment that you introduce treasure. You can make a dying story into a wonderful story. You can make a good story into a great story. Think about all the stories you've heard over your life that deal with this idea of treasure. 
countless stories, countless movies with this concept of treasure. So when I bring this up, my kids, their eyes widen, they lean in to hear about this mysterious treasure. They're sitting on the edge of their seats waiting to hear what is inside the treasure. When we were kids, we had little treasure boxes. We had things we valued, maybe things like a baseball card collection or a favorite toy, a rock we found at some point. When our middle daughter was about two, we got her a little treasure box. It was a jewelry box. It had a ballerina that would twirl and music would play as you opened it. One day we were up in her room and we saw that she had had the treasure box open and my wife and I casually went to go look to see what was inside and there was a dead earthworm inside. (laughs) She had dug and gotten that thing fair and square in our backyard and she had treasured that little fella to death, bless his heart. Kids can relate, we all can with this idea of treasure. And what we treasure, what we value often changes. What we live for, what we treasure up, what's important to us changes and evolves as we mature. In the passage we'll study this morning, treasure is the topic. And the master teacher, the master storyteller is telling about treasure. He's on a mountainside. There's an audience gathered with him. He's been teaching about a variety of themes, and then he gets to this pivotal moment of what do you treasure? I want you to look at Matthew chapter six with me. We'll start in verse 19. It says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus is saying what we treasure is a ruler for righteousness, an indicator of the health of our heart. He's talking about measuring true riches. In this passage, he's essentially saying, It's about what we store, how we see, and who we serve. What we store, how we see, who we serve. This morning, there are three questions that I want you to consider with me. There's three questions that I want you to ask yourself. I believe if we're open and honest, we let Jesus' words intersect with our lives this morning, I believe they have power to be transformational in our hearts. Here's the first one I want you to ask yourself. Am I storing temporary or timeless treasure? Am I storing temporary or timeless treasure? 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus gives many reasons on why living for material things is foolish. For one, they do not last. Jews would treasure fabrics in this time, and yet they could be destroyed and come to ruin. Ruin. I remember when I graduated college, I had someone um, buy me a really nice suit. I mean, still to this day, it's the nicest suit that I've ever owned. In fact, I felt a bit, a bit guilty getting it, but they insisted and it was beautiful. And I remember I got to wear it a few times. And I remember that dark, dark day when I went into the closet, pulled that out and went to put it on and I realized there was a big hole in it and moths had been feasting on this new suit of mine. Took it to see if I could get it fixed. I don't know what they would do. Put a giant patch on it. That would have looked fantastic. But I felt like we needed to do something. And so I showed up. They said, there's nothing we can do. You got to toss it. Isn't it interesting? The things that we desire, the things that we often work for, that we're passionate about, that we're excited about, that we aim our lives at, end up in the trash. Rust ruins metal, thieves steal riches. I love this idea of the way the passage describes breaking in. It's actually to break through. And it's talking about the ideas that Greeks would mention of a, of a mud digger. That's what they would call a robber. Somebody who would dig through the sidewall of a house, who would tear through the mud or the sun-baked bricks to get inside to steal something. That's the idea here of someone digging through to take our possessions. As parents, my wife and I had a little treasure that we once had we would buy these little powdered donuts. Do you remember those? They come in a sack. And when the kids would go to sleep, that was mom and dad's time, right? We would have these hidden in the pantry. The kids are not supposed to touch mom and dad's donuts. It was a special time when, when the kids went to bed, we would just kind of stare at each other in silence and just eat those powdered donuts. I remember one time we were looking for the same daughter who treasures dead worms and we couldn't find her. It was around the same time and finally we found her around the corner hiding and she had mom and dad's treasure and she hadn't opened the bag. She had torn a, a hole in the side of that bag like a little rodent and torn that thing open. She was about halfway through that bag covered in powdered sugar. See, some things in life are just never safe. <laughs> and I tease about that, and that's a funny story. But the reality is many of the things that we live for are open to being ruined, rusted, or robbed from us. But treasure used for God's glory is invested in heaven where it lasts eternally 
And the way that people use wealth, the way that you and I use wealth is an indication of the condition of our hearts. When our hearts are pulled to the power of possessions and we put earthly gain above heavenly investments, the only possible outcome is tragic loss. What does this mean to lay up treasures in heaven? It's the idea that we use everything, all that we've been given, all that we've been blessed with for the glory of God. It means that we're cautious when it comes to the material things of life. It means that we measure life by true riches and not by the false riches of this world. Temporary treasure is ruined, rusted, and robbed from us. All these shows that are coming out when people move and they have these organization piles and over here they'll have the toss pile. Over here they'll have the keep pile. Over here will be the donate to charity pile. And when they have a transition and they move in life, they'll sort things out. When you and I transition from this life, when we move from this earthly life to an eternal one, Everything, every bit of our material possessions, all that we've worked for, we've strived for, we aimed our lives at, it's all going in the trash. Jesus is saying, what do you store? What do you store up? Whether we know it or not, we all have a storehouse. Our lives to this point, we've been filling it with our deeds, with what's important for us. We've been filling it up moment by moment, day by day, year by year. We're adding to it, we're stacking up, we're storing up what matters to us, what we're investing. I'm curious, if you were to go to your storehouse today and you were to pull back the door and peer inside, Your life up until this point is inside. What are you storing up? What's in your storehouse? What we store tells a story of where our treasure truly is. Ask yourself, am I storing temporary or timeless treasure? The second question I would have you consider this morning is this. Am I seeing with clear or clouded eyes? Am I seeing with clear or clouded eyes? Look at verse 22 with me. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then that light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The idea is a singleness of vision. But it also denotes this idea of generosity, having a generous eye as opposed to a greedy eye. The bad eye is a metaphor for jealousy, for stinginess, for greed. A single eye is fixed on the spiritual. It's the opposite of a double-minded person. It's an evil eye. Suggests a sinful outlook. A double vision. The Pharisees, they had this problem because their spiritual eyes were diseased. With their eyes, they coveted money. They coveted wealth. They were in spiritual darkness. 
And if our eyes are out of focus and seeing double, it results in these unsteady movements in our lives. It makes it difficult to progress in two directions at the same time. Do you remember later on when Jesus is telling a story and he's talking about a vineyard owner, a landowner who hires people to come and work in his vineyard. He hires people at the beginning of the day for a certain amount and throughout the day he gathers more people and they keep coming and finally they come through the end of the day, sees more people that need work and he keeps inviting more people to come and to work. Eventually they come to the end of the day and the money's being handed out, the day's wages are being given. And the people who had worked longer are upset that those people who had worked a short amount were receiving the same wage. Jesus is telling this story and he speaks of what the landowner would say. He says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? It's the same thought. Do you see with a gracious eye, with a generous eye, or a greedy eye. You think about all the different eye problems that face us. I think about the ones that plague me, like astigmatism. My eye's not just perfectly round, and so I have a little trouble seeing. I think about uh, myopia, which is actually nearsightedness, which I can't see very far away, and those two together, it makes it very troublesome without glasses or without contacts to be able to see anything except for fuzzy figures. Hyperopia, farsightedness, it's a common problem where you can only see things far away. Those are common eye problems, and Jesus is saying throughout the Gospels that it's important that we see clearly and not clouded. And there's common eye problems among us, things like envy and greed and jealousy that we look through life with. It's important the way that we see. Is your vision clouded by the power of possession? Clarity only comes by looking through the lens of the cross. Jesus says we can't have double vision and we can't look at two masters to serve. I want you to ask yourselves this morning, am I storing up temporary or timeless treasure? Am I seeing with clear or clouded eyes? A third and final thing. Am I serving God with a devoted or a divided heart? Am I serving God with a devoted or a divided heart. Verse 24, you know it well. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus clearly tells us that we can't look in two directions at one time. We can't serve two masters at the same time. We can't live for God and then wealth at the same time. Obviously, the Bible doesn't condemn the possession of wealth, but it warns against the love of money and the wrong use of wealth. The idea here is bigger than just employment It's really talking about the idea of a slave 
and a master. No one can serve two masters. Many try it, all of us fail. Did you know that multitasking is a myth? Did you know that? It's been scientifically proven. Now, I will admit that there are folks who can do more things in a shorter amount of time than I can. In fact, there's a whole gender, we won't name any, that seem to do things better that way. But the Harvard Business Review, based on a half century of cognitive science research, says that we can't multitask. In fact, people that try to focus on a bunch of different things are 40% less effective than those who just focus on one thing. And many other news outlets have picked up this story over the years and talked about the science that our mind just goes from one thing and stops and goes to another, then goes back to another, but it can't focus on two things at once. In fact, this is a computer science term, multitasking. It's no surprise that the human mind is not capable of putting its focus on two different things at once. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Martin Luther said, whatever a man loves, that is his God. For he carries it in his heart. He goes about with it night and day. He sleeps and wakes with it, be it what it may, wealth or self, pleasure or renown. What do you love? What do you carry in your heart wherever you go? It's there when you wake. It's there when you sleep. Do you know the, the concept here that's being spoken about the idea of being devoted is the idea to stand opposite face to face with somebody, to, to hold to them and reject the other one, to, to turn away from one, to hold to one face to face. That's the idea that Jesus is speaking about. One that we would come face to face, we would hold to, we would be face on with, and another one that we would reject and we would turn away from. Where are you facing in your life this morning? What do you hold to? We can't hold to two things at once. We can't face two things at the same time to have our complete devotion. Can you imagine, can you imagine standing face to face with Jesus? Can you imagine being in a place where you are facing him, you are looking at him, holding on to him as your one desire, your one true devotion? That's the idea here holding to one, rejecting another. I don't know about you, but I want to hold to the hand that bears the scar of my sin. I want to hold to the hand that carried the cross of my shame. 
I want to hold to the one that healed my heart and made me whole. I want to hold to the one that brought me into his family, calls me his child. I want to face and hold to the one that has forever forgiven me. I want to hold to the one that made heaven my eternal home. I want to hold to the one that holds my whole world in his hands. How empty, how trivial, how foolish to serve a meaningless master, to hold to anyone or anything else. And it doesn't matter how hard we hold to it. Temporary treasure always slips through our hands. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. For the believer, Scripture teaches us that we've been bought with a price, that we're not our own, therefore we are to glorify God with all that we are, to face him, to hold on to him. I want you to ask yourselves this morning, am I storing temporary or timeless treasure? Am I seeing with clear or clouded eyes? Am I serving God with a devoted or a divided heart? It's all about what we store, how we see, and who we serve. Wealth. What we treasure is a ruler for righteousness. It's an indicator of the health of our heart. And this life is a vapor. It's just a line on a page of a story that is much, much grander than our own. But make no mistake, your life is telling a story. Whether we know it or not, we're feverishly writing every moment, every day into this storybook that is our lives. It's a story that we read to our children as we walk through life and we show them what is valuable. Our families, our neighbors, our coworkers, they pour over it as they see the way that we live, what we treasure. A